0: it's that time of the week and it's time for chit chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 752 for November 26, 2022. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Buchatz, with programming by Stealth Installment 141. What's on our schedule for today, Bart?
1: Well, it's part two of our mermaid discussion. So, well, actually, no, it's part one of our mermaid discussion. It's part two of our UML Class Diagrams discussion. So last time we learned about why we care about such things, which is You know, that's the nosilicast way, right? Start with the problem to be solved. And then we went on to look at the, do you call it a syntax if it's a description of pictures? I don't know. how The rules for a UML Uh, diagram, I I don't know. Yeah, maybe rules.
0: Yeah, it's syntax too, though. Yeah, Yeah, I guess it is syntax. Uh,
1: And then I left you on a teaser, which is, oh yeah, and by the way, these diagrams are made from a text-based markup language, which means we can keep it in version control and stuff. And that markup language is our topic for today and that is a language called mermaid which is inspired by yeah. markdown but for diagrams.
0: Yeah, so is is mermaid the only way to create text-based uh, mark or UML diagrams or just the one that we're going to use?
1: It is the only text-based one I'm aware of. Okay. Um, there are other, like, the, if you pay a lot of money for a development tool, these particularly exist for the, the more corporate languages like Java. Uh, so there are tools where you can just throw, like, 5,000, no, not, like, hundreds of thousands of lines of code at the tool, and it will read the code and pull out the diagram for you.
0: Wow. Which wow. is,
1: yeah, I mean, they're high-end corporate-level tools, which is amazing if you're handed someone else's code to maintain, you just throw it into the analyzer, and then you go, oh, thank goodness I can look at a picture.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so here's something here's something funny uh, during thanksgiving dinner we uh, our buddy ron was here for thanksgiving down in uh, san diego and uh, i told him what we were doing in programming by stealth and i mentioned uml class diagrams and he goes oh god those things are great we loved using those he's a systems engineer uh doing space-based uh uh satellites Oh wow! I guess that's the only kind of space uh, satellites there are. But yeah, satellite communications. Uh, and he was like a huge fan. He said the big thing that they gave you was, if you create them and you create any uh, a widow and, or an off an orphan, you can't go forward. So it finds the widows and orphans that maybe if you were just using text to describe a, a system in right. your system's requirements. Or, or a function, you could create those and you wouldn't know that you created them. And so you literally cannot pass go unless you close all the all those uh, connections. Well,
1: that's very clever. Yeah, I mean, so he's are, a huge fan. They are very powerful, um, both visually and because a lot of times they're machine interpretable as well. So, yeah, they're, they're a fantastic tool. Uh, now, so Mermaid is going to be our tool of choice for making our UML diagrams and mermaid is actually more than just uml so mermaid is actually a diagramming tool in general they have their website lists all the different types of diagram they currently support and i guess at any point in time they could add more types of diagram um
0: i think that's true of any diagramming tool because i went out looking for a gui based uml diagramming app and basically what i found was diagramming apps that can also make uml
1: yes yeah um i would have in the past used things like to do my UML diagrams. Yeah, Visio
0: makes them, uh, draw.io, my favorite drawing uh, diagramming tool does. Uh, actually, diagrams.net is what it's called now, um, just tons and tons of them.
1: Yeah, so Mermaid is is our choice, and it is a JavaScript API that takes these text-based descriptions of diagrams and converts them into images. And like I say, UML class diagrams is one of its tricks. But uh, just looking at the docs here, it can do flowcharts, it can do sequence diagrams, it can do state diagrams, EOR diagrams, whatever a user journey is. Uh, It could do Gantt charts, pie charts, a requirement diagram, which I've never even heard of. A particularly useful one is actually a Git graph. So you know the way if you go to Git or if you buy a book on git they have these lovely diagrams with circles representing the commits and lines connecting it all together when they describe like what does it mean to make a branch well yeah. i instantly recognize the style of all of the stuff on github on, on the git home page it looks like the git graphs made with uh, mermaid so maybe may, either mermaid is copying off the git book or git are using mermaid i'm not sure which but either way <laughs> very useful Something called a C4 diagram, which I don't know what that's about. And oh, mind mapping, Allison. although it has an exclamation point and a vest icon, which I think means under construction.
0: Yeah, I did start going down the path of trying to use Mermaid for uh, flow diagrams. And it's a big pain in the backside doing it text-based way harder than doing it in a GUI dragging yeah. and dropping boxes. And so I'm curious to see whether this is a lot harder than you would think just drawing a box would be with some text fields in it and well, some I arrows and
1: such. In this case, because you're sort of designing code, I think it probably makes sense to, to, to have it in a texty-based format. And the same is probably true of some of the other UML-style diagrams. But I'm guessing, I'm not sure I'd want to use it for a mind map. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. But as I say, it works. It works well for this, um, so that is what we should be using it for. So you, can, it, they actually have a live interface because it's JavaScript based. It works in browsers, of course. Uh, so there's a link in the show notes to their live editor where you can just type in mermaid and watch it in real time, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's also oh. really good for debugging uh, if you're experimenting about. If just being able to put it into a live tool is so useful, especially while you're learning the syntax, like I was this time last week or two weeks ago. Oh. Oh, yeah. And that really useful. Uh, I will say that as as of the date of recording, there is a bug in the live version that it can, it, it doesn't do the uh, cardinalities on relationships in class diagrams in the GUI or in the live oh, version. And that's kind of important. It's important for us. Yeah, which is, I thought I was doing it wrong. And then I ran it on the command line and they came out fine. And then I put the identical code into the live one and it didn't work. I was like, oh, okay, my code is right just a bug in the live one. So I should really get around to, it's all in GitHub. I should log a bug against that. Actually, I should do that after we record. Do my my little bit of civic duty for open source. Um, So because it's JavaScript, it probably comes as no surprise that we could install it using NPM. And you can actually include it in your own code. So you can actually include the mermaid code as a part of your own project. So if you were doing something like building an Electron app, you could get your diagrams for free using Mermaid and your pie charts and things. So that's potentially useful. But for our purposes, happily, the official Mermaid people also wrote a command line wrapper for their library so we can use it as a terminal command, which is of course what we're going to do because, hey, that's how I roll. (laughs) And you can also install the terminal command via good old NPM. If you would like to play along at home, um, you can uh, download the zip file. It just contains the mermaid text files. To be honest, you can copy and paste them into text editor or whatever and save them as we go. It's <laughs> probably not much more work than using the download. But anyway, I figured I'd bundle them up for you since so I had to write them anyway. Um, so, so that it does make
0: it easier to just splat in the uh, the commands you've given since you've given us the files.
1: That is true. So because we're getting this from uh, Node.js, uh, the, we need to make ourselves a folder to work in. Now, I would suggest just using the folder from the zip file to work in. So if you pop that open in the terminal, we then need to install the mermaid CLI into that folder, which we can do with our good friend npm install. I'm not sure the minus minus save is all that important. But anyway, I' just pure habit I put that in. Uh, and then the package is at mermaid-js forward slash mermaid-cli, which is definitely a copy and paste one. So you have to install that in every folder where you want to use mermaid? Yes, which generally okay. means or realistically you're going to be using it as part of a project. So you're actually just going to do an npm install like you would any of your other dependencies. Okay. Yeah. But certainly for UML diagrams, it's going to be a part of a bigger piece of work. Um, Hypothetically, you can install a, an NPM package globally, but the Mermaid people warn on their documentation site that there are strange bugs, I believe is the phrase they use, or something <laughs> like weird behavior, something like that, if you do it globally. So I figured, well, if they're warning not to, let's, let's heed that. You It's know, always good to read the manual and then obey. So once we have it installed, we can exit. So the command line version of Mermaid is MMDC. And the easiest way to run a an executable file installed with npm is with npx, which is Node Package Execute. So we just the command for us will be npm. Mmdc.
0: Before you read it out aloud, I want to cement mmdc. Is this specifically class diagrams? So we could memorize that as mm diagrams class.
1: No, that is all of mermaids. So mermaids all of mermaids. Yeah. So I, I presume it's Mermaid Diagram Creator or something. That's how well, I'm I going it to in remember it the
0: other way. I'm going to remember it the other way so I can remember. It.
1: <laughs> oh, look, whatever works. Way. Okay, whatever works.
0: Okay, so it's mmdc.
1: It's mmdc. So and because we're doing it over npm, we're going to do npx mmdc. So as I say, there is a Hello World example sitting in the folder. So our first thing will be npx mmdc minus minus scale two. Minus i hello world.mmd.txt minus o hello world.png. And when you run that it will make a file called hello world.png which will contain two classes that will probably make you chuckle slightly, waffle and pancake.
0: <laughs> okay, so so backing up, uh the dash i I'm guessing is the input file. Correct. And, and you've got some txt and I'm assuming mmd.txt you're doing that just as a convention to help you remember that was a mermaid diagram?
1: Yeah, I, yes, I could have just done that MMD, okay. but then nothing knows it's a plain text file. So I I often do double barrel extensions like MD.txt for markdown and stuff like that.
0: Okay, so you did MMD for mermaid, mermaid. diagrams. Yeah. Okay, so that's, this could have been pancake.txt and it would yes. work.
1: Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't care about the file extension because the minus I, it will just go fetch whatever you give it with the minus I. So minus I for input, minus O for output.
0: Okay, that's that's common, but what's the minus minus scale space two?
1: So by default, it uses teeny tiny fonts that I don't like. Uh, so a scale factor of two means double everything. Okay. Um, your, your mind right. may vary. You may prefer, you may want three. you may want zero point5 if your eyesight's oh, amazing. Uh, but I, I like two. Two works for me. So if we look at that Hello World file, we will see that it is a very simple piece of markup. It says class diagram V2. Class pancake, class waffle. And it makes two boxes, one called pancake and one called waffle. So that is a Actually very... you should
0: describe those two boxes to the audience. Because I'm looking at them, but they are not.
1: Yes, so those are like we learned about last time. So your your class in a UML class diagram is a box of three boxes, sort of three rows in a box. How do we describe it last time? So yeah,
0: three rows in a box, I would say.
1: Yeah, so the top row is where the name goes, the second row is where the attributes go, and the third row is where the functions go. Now, we haven't defined any attributes or any functions, so literally our boxes just have their names in the top section, row or region. So the basic syntax is that you, you could actually have multiple diagrams in one file. So the basic syntax is you say the type of diagram you want, so in our case, class diagram v2, and then indented underneath that, you have everything inside your diagram. And then if you wanted a second diagram, you could have class diagram v2 again. And then it would make two diagrams. I'm not entirely sure how it would do, whether it would make two PNGs or not. I have, to be honest, I haven't experimented because I don't I don't see why I want two and one. But the docs all say you can have two and one. So there you go. So if you were doing uh, something that isn't a class diagram, you would start with... ER diagram for an entity relationship diagram or mind map for a mind map or whatever whatever type of mermaid diagram you want, that goes first. And okay, all right. After you've said what type of diagram you want, then the rules are different for every kind of diagram. So everything else we learned today is specific to class diagrams. And if we were doing mind maps, it will be different rules. Because again, it doesn't make sense for them to be the same because they're completely different things. So for us then, everything, once we're inside our class diagram, we we start to list our things that we want in the diagram, and you list the classes, and you can define those, and then the relationships are each a separate entry. So if you sort of think of it like you have an entry for each class, and then you have an entry for each relationship, is how I think of it.
0: Okay, and that's inside the squirrely brackets, right?
1: Well, inside the squarely brackets go the details of the class. So effectively, the squarely brackets allow you to make one thing go over multiple lines. So class pancake is one thing, but we're we're spreading it over multiple lines because in theory, there'll be other stuff inside our pancake class and class waffle is the same. So this is a very stripped down version for because it's a hello world. So it'll become a little bit more obvious when we start to pad these out a bit. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and then the relationships would just be separate entries. And the order doesn't matter because what actually happens when you make a picture is that all of the markup is read and it builds an internal representation of what you're describing. And only when it's finished reading all of your input does it start to convert that internal representation into an output. So your order of things has no effect on the order of the output because it's just building up a model. Well, that makes
0: sense, but because you've got these different relationships, things are going up into other things and down into other things, and and the relationships of how many how many gazintas and getas outas and all that of how many <laughs> how many uh, how many quarks there are in a in a uh, uh, nucleon, things like that. You've got you can't you can't have it be built sequentially.
1: Exactly. It just it
0: wouldn't make any sense.
1: Precisely, which is actually very liberating because you can put things in any order you want and it'll be fine, which is nice. When you're used to programming, where order matters, this is nice. Just throw it in, and it's all good. <laughs> um, also, uh, for a, a long time, there was no such thing as comments inside a Mermaid diagram, uh, but they have recently added them. So, assuming you've downloaded a recent version, you can make a comment by starting a line with percent percent, and then adding in your. Can comment. they
0: please add that to JSON? Come on!
1: Oh, please, please, please! Yes, that would be so useful to have that in JSON. <laughs> Okay, so let us look at our class diagram syntax. So we define each class by saying class space, name of class, space, open curly brace, hypothetically any content we want, and then a closing curly brace on a line by itself. And it is important to have that space before the curly brace because otherwise Mermaid thinks that your class is called my class curly brace.
0: Oh, okay, (laughs) okay, so no cuddling.
1: No cuddling. Um No cuddling
0: with the mermaid. There we'll remember it now.
1: <laughs> there you go. And uh the closing curly is again a thing by itself because it basically means no no, I'm not ad- I'm not adding anything else to this class, I'm now done. Otherwise it would see that as being a part of your relationship or something. It would get very confused. Okay. Okay. So the simplest thing to add to your class is an annotation. So remember last time we said that you can annotate your class with the word abstract. That's actually the only valid annotation for us. And the annotation... Can yeah, I forget
0: what an annotation is?
1: So an annotation will show up in the name part of the box. It is a way of sort of... Think of it as a tag, probably the easiest way.
0: Okay. So we're tagging okay. this
1: class as being abstract. Now, if we were working in other languages, oh. there would be other annotations possible. But in JavaScript, the only annotation possible is actually abstract, because JavaScript doesn't have. Okay. Like, so it's
0: either abstract or it's not there at all.
1: Correct. It in arguments. JavaScript. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so yeah, so it's, ang- it's angle bracket, angle bracket. Wait, wait.
0: What do you mean in JavaScript? You mean in these classes?
1: Uh, okay. In class diagrams. UML UML can do more than we're learning about. So we are learning a subset of the UML class diagram.
0: Right. But we're learning UML class diagrams
1: okay're well, not we're,
0: this isn't JavaScript we're writing
1: correct. so UML class diagrams can do more than we have learned yes because other languages can do more than JavaScript can
0: okay, but you said it's it's only it's either abstract or nothing at all in JavaScript, but we're yes. not writing in JavaScript. We're writing okay.
1: in UML If you are describing JavaScript classes with UML, then the only annotation possible is abstract. Uh, If you're describing Java classes. Yeah, there we go. So if you're describing Java classes, you could have other ones like interface, and there's there's loads of other ones in other languages, but in JavaScript abstract or bust. Okay. So that's the easy part. Then we have to start adding our members to our class. So UML calls attributes and functions, it calls them all members. And our members actually have some of the rules in common, which is nice of it. And then the syntax is a bit different, but. Let's start with what they have in common. So the marker for saying this is public is um, they're called visibility markers and plus <laughs> means public and minus means private. And again, if we Sensible. were working in other languages, there would actually be other possibilities because other languages have some, have visibility between public and private, but JavaScript has none <laughs> of that. So
0: I would like a translucent indicator, please. <laughs> It's
1: actually protected is a very popular one, but JavaScript doesn't support it. So those are plus or minus. And then the other Mm -hmm. thing we can have is what's called a classifier. And the only classifier that comes into play for us at the moment is the dollar sign, which signifies static. So dollar sign is static.
0: So attributes and functions can both be static Static. as as a uh, classifier? Yes, they can.
1: Okay, so let's look at the attributes. So the syntax it takes the form visibility marker followed by type space name followed by classifier. And everything apart from the name is optional. And both the visibility marker and the classifier must be cuddled if they're present. So if you don't have a type, then the visibility marker juts against the name. The visibility marker can't be on its own. It has to be nudged into something and the classifier has to be nudged into something think of them like magnets okay so you clip one onto the okay, front so th- and you clip one onto the back
0: okay okay and whatever you've got in between if you've got more than one thing if you've got a type and a name they've got a space between them but if it's only a name just then clip it all together it would clip on both on both sides and you yeah. can't have only a type yeah that makes no you sense you have to have a name you have to have a name okay.
1: precisely yes okay so that's that's a hard to say, but it actually makes a lot of sense when you see it written down. So if we look at a very silly example, we have class diagram V two class my class. Then we open, you know, our uncuddled curly to open it up. So the most basic thing we could have is an attribute called a most basic attribute. It just has a name. That's it. Okay. We could say, oh, we'll make it a public basic attribute by saying plus a basic public attribute. We could give it a type. So we say minus string space, a private string attribute. Or we could have like a type and a visibility and a static. So basically plus date space, a public static date attribute, dollar.
0: Okay, so the important thing of that last one is it's got a plus at the beginning. It's got a, a dollar at the end. So the plus tells us the visibility. The dollar is the static attribute, um, uh, classifier, sorry. And then it's got date is the type. And this long name you've written out is just the name. Yes. It but could they've be got a muscles. space between them because they can't be up against each other. Okay. Yeah. Got
1: it. Yeah. I mean, it is this, sensible. By the way,
0: this is much, it is much more sensible when you've just described it. There is great value in your description because I read it and I was like, what? Because these <laughs> names got really long as you were trying to be descriptive. Yeah. But I, I see what you're doing now. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so if you run that through, uh, so npx, mmdc, minus minus scale 2 minus i example1, minus o example1, you will see how they look, and they look just like the UML specification says they should, because, of course, Mermaid is doing all the heavy lifting. So the static stuff is underlined, and the rest of it is actually pretty much as you typed it. Okay. And it appears in the middle box, because they're attributes, of course. So right, right. Move, moving on to functions, then the rules are not massively different, but there are more of them because functions can do more things. So again, the visibility marker goes in the front and has to be cuddled. Then we have to have a name. So the name is the only thing that's required. Sorry, the name and the parentheses are required because if you leave off the parentheses, it becomes an attribute definition. If it's just a name, oh, and it doesn't knows, it know it's a function. Correct. So the name and the parentheses are required. Everything else is optional. So we have our optional visibility And the parentheses marker.
0: must be, hang on, the mm-hmm. parentheses must be cuddled to the name.
1: They, the parentheses must be cuddled to the name, yes. Okay. And okay. so it's visibility marker cuddled to the name. Then the parentheses cuddled to the name. If you would like, you can list your parameters, but you don't have to if you don't want to. And then if you want a classifier, you have to cuddle it to the end of the parentheses. And then if you want a return type, it's space and then the return type. Okay. So the simplest function definition is just my function opens open parens, close parens. Okay. And then all the rest is optional. And then the parameter list is comma separated, just like you were writing it in JavaScript. But you have the option to have either name, comma name, or type space name, comma, type space name, comma, type space name.
0: No, in your uh, written thing, it says that the return type can be void, so it's not really optional.
1: No, no, it, you can just not say it. But if you want to explicitly well, say nothing, right? Not saying something is not the same thing as explicitly saying nothing, right?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I should have said no. <laughs> no, yes, no you that isn't. Right. Um, <laughs> you shouldn't. Okay. Okay. So, so if you want to explicitly say there's no return types, you can write void, but you don't have to write void. That's optional.
1: Correct. So if you, if you want to okay. have your return types, if you're being really completist and you want to explicitly say this function returns nothing, then you give it the return type of void. Which okay. is quite a common um, practice in many languages. And then functions can no. have a second possible classifier. Because a function can be abstract, and the classifier for that is a star.
0: Okay. Okay. Say again, what, what does a star mean? Abstract. Okay. All right. So, uh, unlike in the um, generic members list, the classifier was always at the end, but that's not the case on functions, even yes. though functions are members. So that isn't something in common.
1: Well, the, the classifier is cuddled to the end of the name. I don't think did I say in the text that it was always at the very end. I, I thought I changed well, my we text. S-
0: we we verbally said it, so I, I, that's why I wanted to draw attention to it. So um, the visibility is always is always the starter, yeah. and your and your classifier is cuddled to the end of the name, but you may have other stuff after that, like
1: void. Yes, or a, a, a normal return type like string or boolean or whatever, Yes. Okay. <laughs> wait, wait, so str-
0: is string a classifier?
1: No, no. Uh, the classifier what is, is it, dollar, so string would just be a return type if you have a function that returns a oh, string. Oh, thank
0: you. Thank you. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay.
1: Yes. So again, we have our silly example class, class diagram v2, class my class.
0: Oh, don't read this out.
1: <laughs> don't read it out. Right? It's basically a visual description of what I've just, or a visual example of what I've just said to to illustrate the point. And when you generate the diagram, they end up in the lower box because that's where the functions go. And again, standard markup. Now, the official markup, by the way, has a colon separating the return type. So you'll notice that the diagram has its colon, but the markup language is space delimited, so it doesn't have its colons.
0: Oh, interesting. Well, so you don't have to worry your pretty little heads about where those colons go.
1: Precisely, because it's doing the hard work for you. You're just telling it what you want, and it knows it knows the rules, and it follows the rules. And so, out comes your nice diagram.
0: That would seem to eliminate a lot of
1: errors. Oh yeah, it does for me anyway. Yeah, because I always forget.
0: But, so, but get your spaces correct. You, if, you, if you mess up your spaces, you're you're still doomed
1: right because basically what you're doing then is you're you're naming things weirdly because everything just becomes part of the name if you cuddle it all together it just goes oh the name is required. you
0: probably notice yes you probably notice cuz it would be you know uh, my 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 class string well
1: oh, i lost you for a second but i think you're back
0: yep we just we just had a little hiccup we're good
1: your internet connection is unstable according to zoom but i think we're back i think we're back okay so Next up, then, is our relationships, and so these are just a one-liner. So we have our class with its uncuddled curly brace down to its curly brace on its own, but our relationships are just going to be one-liners: one line, one line, one line, one line. And so the structure is: the name of the two, the name of a class goes at the beginning, and the name of the cl- of another class goes in the end, and then between the two we have an ASCII art arrow of some shape. And if we would like, we can have cardinalities inside quotation marks. So class name space quotation marks with a cardinality space an arrow space cardinality space class name, and the cardinalities are optional.
0: And are the cardinalities at the end where they would be drawn? So yes. if you say class one, uh, parenthesis or sorry, quote two. That means the two is going to be sitting up next to the cl- that class name. Yes, it is. And the second one is going to be near the, near the second class. Okay. Yes.
1: And when you're drawing the arrows, they're in a nice ASCII art. And you can actually draw them either way. So whatever way your brain likes, you can actually draw them either way and it'll be fine. Um, and yeah, so again, they're, they can be mirrored and they're ASCII art. So if you want inheritance, it's minus minus and then a pipe and a greater than sign. Yeah, it is a greater than sign. Yeah. Yeah. Which looks kind of like a triangly sort of a shape, which is what the inheritance arrow is. Okay. The composition arrow is a filled in diamond, which is represented as minus minus star. And the aggregation one is an empty diamond, which is represented as minus minus lowercase o.
0: Okay. It bothers me that the arrows can go either way. (laughs) And they only go one way on the diagram. Oh, the diagram will be them... But why, not, why wouldn't you draw them the way that they should look? Like you would, you would want it next to the one on the left, wouldn't well, the, you?
1: Well, no. Okay, so if you prefer to write the parent class first, then you draw your arrows with the head towards the parent. If you prefer to have the child class first, then you draw it with the head towards the second class.
0: Oh, that's optional? Ah! So you could be looking at somebody's diagram, somebody's uml and not know what it means no no well, no, 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 no. You, the diagram will look right it's just if i look at their at their mermaid text i won't know what it means
1: but it was no, no it will look right it would the ascii art will mirror will be just like the diagram it will be right
0: okay so let's say uh mike price and me and dorothy are all working on these class diagrams for xkpastabd.net, and i like the parent first. And Dorothy and Mike like the the child first. We're going to be fighting, drawing them, writing them differently in the same di- in the same exact document.
1: Yes. At which point I'll come along and say, "And the coding standard for this project is," and I'll toss a coin. <laughs> yeah,
0: toss that coin
1: early. Just
0: just to let you know, because you know me, Mike, and Dorothy, we're just going to be all over each other. We're going to be up in each other's business on
1: this. You do know, of course, that the way this usually works is people can't remember the syntax, so they just look up at the document. And so if I do it right once, you'll all do it by, without even thinking about it. You'll all copy it.
0: Oh, aren't you adorable that you think we won't have opinions, Bart?
1: <laughs> I just believe in human laziness. Sorry, economy of effort. Because no one remembers these syntaxes and you could go look up the docs, but what do you do? You scroll up and you hope to goodness you find what you want when you scroll up, right? That's what I do all the time. I'm usually copying for myself, but you know. The parent is is always near the tip of the arrow. The parent is at the tip of the arrow. And so whichever way around you draw it, it'll work just fine. And it is ASCII art. So it's very, it's very Markdown-like in the sense that it's this sort of ASCII art way of describing the relationships. So again, we can see the diagram for our atom from last time. I literally just took the the atom from last time. And so you can see there in the example, we have our class nucleon, which we've marked as abstract. And then we can have our atom and our nucleon and they have their cardinalities and their arrows. And now I remember the last thing I had meant to say, which is that you don't even have to say class name of class. If you don't need to define anything about the class other than the relationships, just use it in a relationship and it will come into being. Because remember, it's building up the structure as you go. Uh,
0: okay, so when you say nucleon and you've got the arrow pointing towards it, uh, and then say proton, nucleon just became a class?
1: Nucleon just became so a proton. class. And proton became a class, but I want nucleon to be abstract. So I have added a line that says class nucleon abstract. But I didn't add class atom. Oh, sorry, sorry. Right, you know. Okay, it- and
0: you didn't add class proton or neutron.
1: Yes, because I have nothing to say about their content, so just adding them in a relationship is enough to make a blank class, which is great. Okay, that's just building it up as it goes, and so that works exactly as you would expect. So that that is, you know, that that's it. To be honest, right? We now have our ASCII art, we have our syntax for everything. So everything we learned last time, we can now mark up in this texty language, and we run an mmdc command, and we get a diagram out. So now all I have to do is actually draw the <laughs> diagram for all of the classes for HSXK Pass I mean, how hard can that be?
0: That's mm. that's all you got to do. Yeah. You'll be really good at the syntax by the time
1: you're done. That is very Or you'll have a hot true. mess, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, either is possible, right? But yeah, it'll be good practice. So I'll I, be very curious to see how I get on. Because that's going to be my first time using, like, what's the phrase? In anger? I mean, that's proper in, in anger. anger, you know. So yeah, we'll see you next time how it looks. I imagine it will be. I long.
0: wish you the best of luck. Actually, I think a good uh, we don't. You know, it bothers me when you don't give us homework because it doesn't it doesn't cement. But if I was to do homework on my own, which I may or may not do, it would be without reading what you did, uh, not studying what you did to create the the class diagram, the UML diagram for the atom. Mm-hmm. Would be to just look at last week's notes and try to try to create it.
1: That would be a really good thing to do, actually. Yeah, because last week's notes describe the rules, and then they right. show the picture. So, can you replicate that in the code? Yeah, that's that's perfect exercise. Yeah,
0: I know everybody hates me when I ask for homework for PBS,
1: but I, I don't. I really don't learn it. It just
0: goes in and right back out if I don't get to practice. If uh, if I don't get to type it a little bit myself,
1: yeah, yeah that's a good point actually. I I've, I've got. I'm so out of practice at this. I keep forgetting to do things like set you homework and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs>
0: well i this was a uh definitely a short one but uh i could use a bite-sized uh deal this uh my granddaughter's about to wake up and when she wakes up you will all hear it
1: uh-huh. well it is thanksgiving so you're you're in holiday mood you may have had too much turkey yesterday so the brain may be functioning on half power
0: <laughs> yes it was the turkey that caused that Yeah, no, not not the
1: um oh what is it you love to drink gin and tonics
0: Gin and tonics, not the gin and tonics. No, it was the turkey, definitely. <laughs>
1: definitely. All righty. Uh, well, you and I will be chatting again tomorrow, uh, but the listeners will next hear us on this show in approximately two weeks, I hope. So until then, folks, happy computing.
0: If you learn as much from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to let's lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon. You can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.